What's up, Let's world? Go. What do you do when <laughs> devastation invades? If you know the truth, it'll make you free. How do you move on? And whom the sun sets free? One day your life is free indeed. 24 hours, everything has drastically changed. As difficult as it may be, we must evaluate what is lost and what is lost. Trapped in the bondage of what you used to be. What's good, family? You already know what time it is. Thank you for tuning in to another Free Indeed Friday. Let me get you through this traffic. Let's get it. How I love to laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Ho, 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 ho. He, 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 he. <laughs> that was trifling. Anyway, the joke for the day is called The Busy Doctor. A young doctor had just opened office and felt really excited. His secretary told him a man was here to see him. The young doctor told her to send him right in. He was pretending to be a busy doctor, so he picked up the phone just as the man came in. Yes, that's right. The fee is $200. Yes, I'll expect you 10 past two. All right, no later. I'm a very busy man. He hung up, turned to the man waiting. May I help you, sir? No, said the man. I just came to install your phone. <laughs> Listen, it's a word in there. I'm not going to preach it, but it's a word for the saints that try to be so grand and wonderful and pretend that we're super busy. Anyway. Come on, won't you follow me? Right here, 
Just leave your nets behind. You can leave your mess behind. Just trust me, you'll be fine. If you follow, follow me. Let's get into it. It's Pastor Free, and this is another Free Indeed Friday podcast, Fellowship Edition. And so today, I have called together a group of millennials. And unfortunately, we're probably going to say that word a bunch of times, and I hate hearing the word. Like, I'm so tired of hearing people say the word millennial. But anyway, I wanted to have that discussion. I really wanted a whole bunch of sinners here. Um, and... <laughs> Well, and so we just got a I'm lot of ALC people, and so, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that means. But what I'm going to do real quick is go around the room, and I want everybody to give their name, their government name, and their age. We'll do that real quick, starting to my right. All right, so my name's Jeff <coughs> Trevelyan. <laughs> I am, uh, how old am I? I'm 26, mm-hmm. I think. And he is our ratchet representation wow. tonight. Just come out the gate with that? Well, I'm, that's that's kind of we. I thought they were going to conclude that. All right, go ahead. Sierra <laughs> Wilson, I'm 32. Mm-hmm. Is that millennial? Are you millennial? Yes. Okay, that's sorry. what I was told. Okay. Kiana Burgess, 26. Uh-huh. Brittany Rollins, 30 years old. Nicholas Hunt, 27 years old. And I'm Deshar Freeman, and I feel really old in this room because I am 37 years old. 57. 37. <laughs> I thought he was 34. <laughs> 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 how you, you say that Spanish? Anyway, so what we got going on today is a conversation about uh, millennials, faith, religion, and so on and so forth. And so I'm going to title this podcast uh, episode, Help Me Help You. Okay. That's the plan, is that I want you to help me help you. And we're just going to have some real talk. I got some questions. Uh, I want it to be more free dialogue. So don't like sit and wait your turn if you want to jump in. But let's do our best to make sure we don't uh, mess up the audio recording. Uh, based off of generational different differentiations, if you will, those who were born between 1901 and 1924 would be the GI generation, the greatest generation, they were called. 1925 to 1945 are the silent generationers or the traditionalist. Uh, 
I didn't know none of that stuff. I, I kind of log in at 1946 to 1964. Those are the baby boomers. And then 1965 to 1981, uh, consistently, some of the things that I saw, uh, that's the bracket for Generation X. Although Generation X kind of waffles between. Like some start at 1977, others go up to 1985 as a cap. I have always seen myself as a Generation Xer. Just because growing up, that was the term I always heard. So to be thought of as potentially a, a millennial, at looking at y'all's faces and remembering most of you like as children, it's kind of weird to say that we're a part of the same generation. But based off of these classifications, possibly. And millennials are usually those born... Between 1982 and 2000, I was born February 27, 1982. Those who are born between 2001 until the present are iGen, the i generation. So interesting breakdowns. Um, for the most part, all of us fall under this category of millennial. And we're going to try to make some generalizations, which I hate making because I know there's exceptions to every rule. But uh, I think that there are some cultural norms that you can always highlight. So I'm going to start with those things. What are some major differences between your generation and your parents' generation? Some major differences that you can like immediately kind of pinpoint off top. The thought process of going to college. So, say a little more. Uh, I think my parents, or not even my parents per se, they're pretty open-minded. But that generation thinks that going to college is like the end all mm -hmm. and like the answer to being successful. When there's a lot of statistics and uh, studies out that show that just because you go to college doesn't like necessarily mean you're going to be successful. Would you say that's a difference in thought process or do you think that's a legitimate difference in time period? Like I would imagine that my mom would feel the same way, but because when she was my age, mm -hmm. a college degree was necessary to make good money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But now you put up a dope video on YouTube and you can be a millionaire. So do you think that it's a it's a mindset or it's more of like the time period in which they were? I mean, it would be more of a time period if they felt that way a long time ago and didn't feel like it now. But I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of them bring that same mindset into 2019 and it's just not relevant anymore. I won't say it's relevant. I won't say like college is irrelevant because that would be like a really, really uh, militant stance. You've but got a, you've got a son. Do you want him to go to college? Uh, I'm gonna say right now, yeah, because I feel like he's gonna play sports. Mm -hmm. But we're gonna have a plan going into. We're not gonna go to college so I can tell people he went to college. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's gonna be like a plan. I, I would say work ethic. Work ethic. Um, my mother's generation, it was you went to work. You Talk a little louder. My mother's generation, you went to work. You maintained the same job for as long as Years. they kept you you didn't walk off of a job um i feel like my generation we're looking or i guess we are looking for whatever is i won't say convenient but whatever is working for us in the moment and we have we're very strong-minded so we feel like i'll give this two years but i'm ready to do something else or you're not talking what i'm talking so <laughs> i'm gonna go find what is and so so do you, you say that you think they work harder 
Is what you're saying? Um, I think the thought process, they are dedicated. Mm -hmm. Um, We have the mindset of, I'm going to try to work smarter versus harder. And our thinking is smarter is not staying here because you're only paying me $10. Or I can go make $17, you know, doing something else. I can make a quicker dollar. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so right at the end, you kind of triggered another thought. Mm -hmm. You mentioned work ethic, and it may be that. But then there's also kind of this thought of maybe this expectation of a quick return Mm -hmm. or maybe even shorter attention span. Mm -hmm. So after I've been doing this for three years, I just don't want to do this anymore. So let me find something else. How much of that do you think it is? Because then that that brings in the time period argument again. We have microwaves. We have cell phones. We have like rapid gratification. So it would probably be, in my opinion, maybe 70 percent more of the self like the quick turnover Mm -hmm. versus our work ethic is different. But it kind all kind of couples because I see some millennials that like they work there. They hustle. They Mm -hmm. get it. Um, but they get it differently from where, like, my uncle, he's been working for Coca-Cola for 42 years. Like, mm-hmm. the same job, you know, wow. his hustle is <clears throat> the way he knows. Um, okay. I don't know. I think for us, I, for, for me, to be on social media is kind of exhausting. So, for one, like, I feel like a lot of millennials, they do a lot of things to get attention. So, I feel like maybe... If my parents' generation, well, they got attention. It's just one how we get attention now. So the reason why they kind of cool on, like, moving different jobs because, okay, I got another job. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So to always be seen doing something mm-hmm. is, like, oh, the ultimate goal now, just to be seen doing something. Like, Not yeah, right. Brittany is on her job. This is that another job. Hot girl summer type of thing. We go on vacation. This, 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 that, and that. Y'all gonna have to help me. I've been saying that, but I don't know what it means. So y'all gonna have to put me up on game. I don't know what it means either. Hot girl summer. Just have a good time. Oh, Jeff, he, he know. He, he just no, acting. Uh, <laughs> no. Any any other differences? I'm I'm gonna move in just a second. But any other major differences that you can see? I can remember one. I can say um, relationships with your family and parents, where I see. With my mom's generation, there's a two-parent home. And now our generation, you see more... You don't see two parents. You see more just a single-parent home mm-hmm. than the two-parent. So a relationship of trust when you have newcomers in because you don't have, like, either your mom or your dad there, how my family were raised. Wait, wait, hold on. Trust? Say, say more about the trust part. Because when you have a newcomer in, of course, you're always with your mom. So now if you have... a a male figure coming in. Like an uncle. I, a uncle. This, um, this Uncle Ray. This Uncle Ray. <laughs> How long is Uncle Ray really <laughs> going to be? Okay. My uncle is going to stay here. All right, I got you. Yes. <laughs> I got you. We all yes. got Uncle Ray. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go ahead, but it's kind of It's kind of weird because when I... Okay, well, how many of y'all's parents have college educations? Like, it's kind of weird because, like, how I was raised, it was really just me and my mom. So it's just like... Mom, the dawn y'all meet today is different from the dawn of, of the past. So, like, my mom is an extension of the 99 and the 2000. Like, she yeah. was, like, really, but she was a hard worker. So, I when we talk about, like, differences, I feel like our generation is an extension of, like, our parents' uh, b- badness or whatever. Because I feel like you just keep it. Because I meet some people that I was in high school with. 
like these kids smoke weed with their parents. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a mm-hmm. whole different thing. So this is an extension. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like a free, That's different. So it's like yeah. our last generation rebelled against the generation because of that, and then now the rebellion kind of birthed whatever we have now. So like the last generation, I would really say is like a hippie, a hyper hippie <laughs> generation. Okay, so so that's that's cool. Let me kind of piggyback on that then and say, well, then what are the similarities? Like, you kind of went into that, so let's just go there. Like, what are the similarities but that you could see between your parents' generation and this millennial generation? Similarities. I don't think there's not much. But it should be depending on how you were raised. Like, respectfully, Nick, you know, the Don that we know is not the Don that you were raised with, so... I could never... My, my mom was not my friend, so right. there would be no similarity. I didn't become my mom's friend until I was married right. out of the house. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I think you got to look at, at at a broader picture. Like, I think that every generation loves music, yes. right? That's so true. there are some similarities, even if our music differs. Mm-hmm. And I think, ironically enough, each generation feels like their music is the best music, right? So there are similarities there. That music is a universal language. I think there is this idea of family. Now, family may take on different forms, but every generation has this idea of important people that they love. And so, like, so there are some similarities. You just got to kind of open up what that looks like. I know how it can look completely different. But then the weird part is that life is so cyclical, like, everything that was comes back around, Mm -hmm. even dressed, hairstyles, so on and so forth. So, on the surface, it looks so different, but the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's let's keep it trucking. So, what general things though would you say describe millennials? Now, I know I said at the beginning I don't like to generalize, but if you had to describe millennials and and generalize them, what things would you say describe? I feel like we are on entrepreneurs Mm, a lot of us start our own businesses um because like you said this whole college thing we're starting to realize that sometimes it could seem as a scam like you don't need college to make money it's a good way to accumulate debt for Mm -hmm. sure for sure (laughs) (laughs) help me god um but it's just a lot of people in our generation are starting to hustle in a different way um, like using the internet per se. So like they're doing their own businesses where it becomes like social media or like Nick does photography or anything like that or videography. We're just creating, using more of our talents to make money than to just find a job. Having a job. So. I think that like for our generation, what I see is we kind of test or go against things that, seem like dogmatic that we have to do so like even if if we even talk about like church or if we talk about let's not talk about church yet but i hear what you're going to keep so so if even if we talk about um family structure you know me of how it's supposed to be you know we have this whole lbgtq thing going on it's like these narratives that we're trying to push Mm-hmm. against that we're seeing traditional because traditional now is seen as bad mm-hmm. yeah. like traditional like just because grandmama and granddaddy did that don't mean i have I to do that. that you know what i mean yeah. or or you did it this certain way because uncle worked at coca-cola for 44 years 
I'm done. I mean, I gotta do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because everybody's like running after trying to experience life new and get a different result out of the life that they're trying to do. But it really nothing really different changes. <laughs> you still I have. I think we're real big on finding happiness. Mm-hmm. So like, we don't stay at these jobs for thirty plus years yeah. because we get tired of it. There's something better for us, so we move on to the next. Do what's best for you. So we're very mm-hmm. vocal. Some more than others, but um, whereas the generation before us, um, they took a lot without speaking up for themselves. Yeah. We came behind and was like, no, I'm not standing for that, or I'm going to stand and you're going to tell I'm standing. I'm not going to be silent. Uh, you know. How do you think a person who was bit by dogs and sprayed with water hoses would feel about you saying they took a lot and didn't say anything? Disrespectful. Because literally, their protesting and saying stuff cost them their lives. So to, yeah. I'm well, just I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. No, I understand. I'm saying in terms of they in their way of doing it, it was effective. But there was, I would say, a percentage more people that didn't say anything at all. They were kind of behind the scenes, like not coming to the forefront. Whereas a small portion of people did, which. To me, that's honorable, and actually, you got a lot done with just a small core. But now we have so many people that are, you know, ready to just like go in the trenches, and they have they're in droves. They're not just a small group. It's not just like twenty or a hundred. You have half of a nation going after something that they believe in, um, and so I feel like it's a reflection of what they saw. But like now they're saying like we're not scared. Like we're we're gonna come out now. We're not gonna wait until something else happens and something else happens. Yeah. Laws are different now too. Yes. So mm. they a lot of things were allowed in public on how people were treated. So yeah. it was easier for them to be quiet on certain things because they didn't want to risk losing their lives. But now since it's not as public even though right now it is starting to get a little more public with the leadership that we have for our nation right now but i think times were different so now we don't have to deal with as much in public because it's illegal i think our generation is open-minded and uh i say especially for like parenting Cause my dad gets really frustrated with me sometimes because I'll be honest, like, just put it out there. I don't really want to spank my son because I feel like I can be diplomatic enough to explain to him what he did wrong. And just like I can do at my job, just like if we got in a disagreement here, I'm, I'm not going to, like, touch any of you. I think I can give my son that same, I won't say respect because I don't think my dad, like, disrespected me by spanking me. But I think I can give him, like, that that right to like not hit him and my dad's like he'll be like what <laughs> what's like, you mean yeah. <laughs> two years old you just get tore up eventually we're gonna get to um the generation and religion but like since you mentioned it like i think uh, to a certain extent a person would would tie that commitment to physical discipline to like a to honoring the scriptures, like the scripture says, you spare the rod, you spoil the child, and so I understand to term it as open minded, but some people would see that as rebelling against scripture, like like it's more of a of a religious thing, and we're gonna come to that in just a, a minute, 
But um, so so, if you were to see it through that lens, then what? I mean, I would have an understanding, but I never heard that verse while I was getting spanked growing up. So <laughs> I have some resentment towards it. <laughs> and I mean, there's just a lot of. <laughs> I'm saying this. That's the first uh-huh. time I've ever heard that mm-hmm. verse. I'm sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of like child psychology studies out mm-hmm. right now that uh, and I mean I hate to be that guy but uh, no, 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 spankings no. just don't aren't as effective as people think they are. But how 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 does a person um, so so once you start getting into psychological studies, there's a whole bunch that goes into it. Like you got to have control groups and all that stuff, yeah. and so people can put out all day long studies show this that and the other. But how can you prove I got beat? Uh-huh. And I'm a pastor who's never been in jail. Like I don't, well, I don't have a felony. I've been to jail a couple times, <laughs> but I don't have a, fe- a felony. You, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. I, what, what do? How do statistics consider me and you? You're an African American man. You've yeah. only been to jail like two or three times. So. Oh, no, nah, man. What you? <laughs> I'm out of jail. Oh, <laughs> right. But that's what I'm saying. And you, and you were spanked. Yeah. Right. So, so. You see what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, I never got in trouble. I know a lot of people that got spanked there. I actually know one guy. He got spanked a lot. He's in prison. Yeah. He's not going to come home. So. so. And so the studies consider him. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't consider us. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's that's kind of stumbled me up there. I'm not trying to stumble. I'm just had, trying to discuss. No, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother used to tell us, I'm going to beat you so that mm-hmm. the world doesn't beat you. Or and that's what I tell uh, myself. Prisoner, uh, a guard doesn't beat me. And so in my mind... I attribute, yes, it hurt. It, I didn't want it, but I can say, like, I've never spent a night in jail, you know, mm-hmm. um, or I've never been in predicaments where the law had to handle me because I didn't know how to mm-hmm. handle myself. So, I would I'm rather be beat by somebody who loves, loves me, me enough to stop when, like, yes. <laughs> like you know, yes. then beat to death. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and these are the kind of conversations that. Let me start. I didn't say this. Like, this to me is a beginning. I don't know how we're going to push this. I do want to do, like, a kind of town hall conversation type thing to discuss this type of stuff. So it's just the surface. I'm rushing past a lot of stuff. Um, Go ahead. I guess just for me, uh, I always think about, like, why I want to do something. Mm -hmm. Right? So if I want to spank my kid, I'm like, why do I want to do this? And it just, I get like the whole, like, I understand, I understand where you're coming from. Like, you beat your kids, so like the world doesn't. But I feel like I can teach my son those lessons without putting my hands on him. Like, and you, and I look, I've done research on where spanking started. And before, like, the slave trade, like, people in Africa, like, ancient Africa, they didn't spank. Like, that came from slavery. And we've had this conversation before, mm-hmm. but but that would be false, because we talking about the Bible talks about it. So that would be yeah. before slavery. See that? See that was my first time hearing this. So. Yeah. So and not just not just in slavery. Like the, like the only reason that the Bible talks about it is because at that time it was a form of discipline that was commonly known, right? So we talking about time period. Take religion out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm saying prior to slavery, yeah. there was this concept of physical punishment. Whether it was 
two slaves that tra transcend our thought of slave. Like we think of Africans that were brought to this country, but slavery existed before then, right? Yeah. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt, right? Yeah. So you, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah. so whipping um, was a thing long before there was a slavery. But we're going to come to that in a minute too because all young millennials, milli all, I hate that word, all millennials <laughs> think that um, that we can date everything back to slavery and like the world existed long before the end so if your wokeness only takes you back to that point you still got a lot of sleep still in you right <laughs> and, no seriously and a lot of the things that we bring to the table when we think about religion we think that we are educated because we got a couple of nuggets here and there about a time period that does not even include thousands of years before it um so that's interesting let's let's move um what things do you feel this generation values? You've kind of talked about freedom, uh, being vocal, creativity, happiness was one of the things that was stated. Some other things maybe that this generation may value. This may seem vain, but I think um, reputation or status seems to be... Oh, yes. The striving is yes. Yeah. I I say it all the time to the young girls. Y'all are trying to live this Instagram life and reputation and the idea of I have, I am. Look at me. I feel like even though the younger kids have that issue, I think we have that too. I have to separate reputation and status, though. Okay, I, I think rep. I think status, yes, but. I just feel like millennials don't care about reputation because to me, when you care about your reputation, you guard it. Mm -hmm. And and okay. these young people will do whatever yeah. and don't care. Like the whole thought concept and Tatiana and mm -hmm. all that stuff, like that's a reputation <laughs> thing, but it's almost popular to be a whole. So it's more selective. The thing is like, I, that just don't start with our generation, because even when we look at our president, the the nation's was well, he our pres uh, <laughs> he it, president? It, it depends on if you're gonna claim him or not. On Donald, uh, on Donald Trump, like this man literally has a reputation, and he doesn't really care. So mm -hmm. it's just like at the, at some point, it's like it's either. You gonna keep doing what you're gonna do, or like, I'm a trip on the past. But at the same time, like, if we are, well, I'm not gonna go start right there. But to the point now, like, we're so exposed in media and everything like that. Like, I was talking to somebody, and there was a study about how these uh, Indian people will try to scam married men because they would send exposed pictures of themselves to to them and try to like blackmail and tell them like I'm your wife is cheating or whatever. But he they said in America the only that's the only place where they just like will do it. But like in China, India, all of them, mm -hmm. they will lose their mind. <laughs> but in America they were like, it's just a pick. Like go ahead. <laughs> but we're so exposed to the point like where reputation don't mean anything. It just means that 
I mean, we're to a point now where they're about to make pedophile pedophiles legal. <laughs> like, yeah. like it just there's yeah. no range anymore. Well, maybe it's not reputation, but it's like the fame, the yeah. what's image, image. Or image. image. That's right. Image. And, and a lot of that is false, right? It's yes. whatever image I can sell to you. Yes. We live in a filter society, right? Yes. And I ain't, it ain't even got to be what's real. It's what I can make you, you see. see. Yeah. Right. Okay. Any other things that we value? As millennials, I think ourselves for one. Mm-hmm. Like I, like when I talk to my mom, as in selfish, s- selfish. Se- well, self can go into selfish. Yeah, mm-hmm. a- absolutely. But like when I talk to my mom and how she talks now, like she wants me to be very like for the family, which I am for my family. At the same time, I'm 27, I'm trying to like start my life. But she's like, oh, I gave up everything for you. This, 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 that, and the other. Like, you this, and this. Which I feel like I sacrificed, too, for what I was supposed to do as a child. But for one, like, we really are concerned with ourselves. What's good for us? How we feel? What makes us feel good? Besides, really, the people around us. Yeah. And we think about ourselves kind of first before we do anything else. So, like, if you want to go to... I was about to say church, but like if you don't feel like coming to an establishment, I won't say the word. Like I don't feel like doing it today. Besides, like what these people really need me, they are. I'm a part of this organization. You may have you may have helped me right there. You may have helped me help you. That was good. <laughs> um, so earlier it was mentioned like happiness, <clears throat> and I've been kind of like running through my head ever since uh, Kiana said it. <clears throat> Strangely enough, like, so my mom had, like, uh, 11 siblings. And their house was half of this building. Mm. Like, they didn't all live in the same house at the same time. But the house is literally in the middle of farmland, out in the middle of nowhere. And you hear these stories about them walking to school and back and all of that stuff. (laughs) But at the same time. That generation wasn't killing themselves and hanging themselves and on the all types of pills to combat depression and so on. So it's kind of weird that in our pursuit of happiness and freedom and whatever makes us whatever, whatever, we're not nearly as stable. And they they really, if you think about it, they had more to deal with, mm-hmm. right? When you're not even considered a citizen, you know, in the country in which you live and you working for for nothing essentially but we have so much liberty and so much freedom to pursue whatever makes us happy yet we're not as happy it still goes back to the image Mm -hmm. we want to look happy as social media is happy or how celebrities are happy but Mm -hmm. if we're not getting that it's like fighting us inside so they're dealing with like depression and stuff Mm -hmm. because they're not really who they're showing the world they are Mm -hmm. I think that, like, this is a big thing I, I used to think about back in the day is, like, you know, all these people go after doing all these great things because ultimately um, they want some type of glory, right? They want some type of glory of, like, you know, esteem, you know, some praiseworthy. But I really don't think when they, when they say equate all glory to God, I think that's for a reason because... We get it, and what do we do with it? Temporal. <laughs> it's temporal. God knows what to do with that, because it's ultimately for ourselves. God like, knows what to yeah. do with glory, but yeah. we don't. We don't. Yeah. You know, so, 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 like, That's my son right there. <laughs> come on, come on out here. 
so it's just, I actually, I'm gonna take that. It's like, God knows what to do, Lord. We he know, he mm-hmm. knows what to do with it. And like I was reading the other day, you did I, stumble upon that though. That was an accident. Yeah, but this is <laughs> I'll mess with you. Go ahead. This this is something totally different. So like I was reading Mark four, and it's just like how we search after wealth and uh, all these different things. I say it kind of takes us away from the word of God. And I think in those times, your parents' times, there weren't an accessible amount of comparing. Like, it, we compare so much and we do it so much to the point we don't even understand that we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So, like, when we equate to success, we say, well, man, so-and-so got this, 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 that, and the other. And we don't think about it as comparing, but we are actually, like, comparing our life to mm-hmm. theirs besides what God has for us. Mm-hmm. You know, so... It kind of puts us in a frantic place where it's just like anxiety is at an all-time high, depression's at an all-time high, is because you seeing all these people with Lamborghinis and so on and so forth, which those things are great. You're like, damn, I'm driving a Nissan, barely on a quarter tank of gas with a $99,000 of student loan debt. What is going on? Like, it, okay, you know what I mean? That's just... I think, I'm, bad. I'm done. I think we let, especially in this generation because we have instagram twitter we have a lot of friends that like speak into our lives and like they have no business speaking into our lives at all but like you allow them to this is like oh cool like we post similar things and like you know you got a kid i got a kid cool oh you like the cowboys that's what's up me too like speaking to my marriage now because we we like football (laughs) 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 and i kind of had to like uh i had to thought the other day and I kind of had to catch myself because I feel like no shot to anybody that's in my life but I was just like man like I'm taking advice from a lot of people that I should not be taking advice from mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. but it's just so easy though because everybody's a click away yeah. like back in those days like you didn't have social media and because Different people have different perspectives. If they're all speaking into your life in some way, you become fragmented because mm-hmm. you're being pulled and pressured in so many different ways. Like somebody saying, "Well, leave your wife if she do this stuff." Another person saying, "No, you know, you got to figure it out, stick it out." Right? And so Definitely you're broken into know. pieces because you got yeah. It used to be just the black yeah. and the white one, but now yeah. it's a green <laughs> one. <laughs> you, know, you might want to cut it off if it's this right. Yeah. So you, we have once we you're right. You once we get all of these voices going on. It creates a lot of confusion in our own mind um, and a lot of excess weight just because I'm trying to figure out what's right and I've, I've opened myself up to yeah. too much. Oh, that's real good. So um, I, I'm, I didn't want to jump right into religious talk, but at the end of the day, that's what I care about. Right. I do care about uh, this generation as individuals. Um, but my job is to impact the kingdom. That's that's what I'm all about. Y'all know. uh most of you have known me a long, long time. Uh, and I'm a church boy. That's all I know. Every single Sunday I had to go. I grew up that way. And so my biggest hurt, my biggest concern is growing up in the church, I never thought I would see a day when, especially African-American people, didn't prioritize Jesus. Like this caught me off guard. And I realized I actually was born into the end of an era. I didn't know that at the time because what I saw growing up, you know, my church was jam-packed every Sunday. At some point, chairs put down in the aisles. And nothing was going on then that's not going on in churches now, Mm -hmm. positive or negative. There there has been no change 
and what was going on then and what's going on now. So the question that I want to dig into is why are millennials drifting away from the church? That's the question that I want to um, dig into at this point. I want you to, to, to really think about it. And I don't want you to talk like you're talking to your pastor. I want to get uh, straight up. This is how I feel. Now, uh, most of you are very active in church, <laughs> which is why I kind of wanted a more diverse audience of people who may be detached that could kind of give um, way in. But I want to know from your perspective, your conversations, uh, maybe even your own feelings at times. Why are millennials drifting away? I'm going to say from church, but I also mean from Jesus. Uh, more specifically, and then on a broader scale from organized religion altogether, right? So, what say you? Did you want to go first? Oh, yeah, I was started off. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, I would say millennials drift from the church because I'm talking to the shard. Um, I won't even say here, I will say in times past churches that I have attended actively, I felt like I wasn't like as welcomed as a certain age group. And it just might be me like growing up, I was really introverted, kind of like dry humor. So I was weird. And like, even when I would try to hang out with like the church, like the people my age, it just always felt weird and I felt like different and I don't know if something like of that magnitude resonates with me but I mean even my parents they we grew up in a church and changed mm-hmm. and it, I feel like I mean there was like some turmoil you feel me like mm-hmm. when we did leave so I don't know if that just like sat with me wrong or what but I don't know it's just sometimes felt like cold Almost right. so. So so you mentioned uh, didn't necessarily feel welcomed, and to me that's fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel included though in the work? Like, would you also say that you have felt like the worship didn't speak to you? I don't even want to say that for now because it it has. Well, I know ALC is like the perfect church, but that's not what I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about. Oh. I'm talking about in general. Let's not even just talk about you specifically. I'm right. saying, do you in think general. that the generation would say worship doesn't? When I was playing ALC, I did a lot of reading about like church culture mm-hmm. uh, and the nuts and bolts of ministry, which is very evident in the way our church flows. People don't know how I got to this, but it, it, it came from study and research. And one of the biggest things that I kept seeing about church growth strategies is that most people feel like they have to go back in time to go to church. Hmm. Um, I still have like one foot deep in my Baptist box, right? So yeah. when I'm not at ALC, I, I dress like this, right? <laughs> and it's because um, there are, you know, people in our faith tradition that are very steeped in tradition. So it does feel like going into a time warp yeah. when you go into some church situation. So I, I don't feel no kind of way when you if you say it, because I know ALC is a little different, right? We may be 
too too much at times. Mm. But I also feel like there are some instances where people are like, well, if I work, you know, and everything at my job is touchscreen and whatever, whatever, and then I'm supposed to come and read out of this red book and i don't even read music but right <laughs> you, you see what i'm saying yeah. like those things can be a challenge culturally generationally um i mean i think you touched on it earlier like what we value versus what our parents value mm-hmm. we talk about valuing image and being cool and like you said getting glory i think like obviously the value system has switched mm-hmm. or shifted you could even say mm-hmm. so a lot of people don't care about like a relationship with God. Like I got two K followers, you feel mm-hmm. me? Like that's that's hot. Right. You know what I mean? Like when I when I post a picture, I'm getting five hundred plus likes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not that's not of the magnitude of, oh, I need to be a priest of my home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like wow. I need to lead my mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Nah, like, I need I, I you go ahead. I think you sure? I think that uh, <laughs> that was very selfless of you. <laughs> I think that for one, I, I don't. It's two things. I feel like our generation, just a short one. I feel like our generation's attention span is nothing longer than five minutes. So I feel mm-hmm. like, and that's just how everything's accustomed now. Like really, people watch TV shows, but TV shows really live. Real life is too long. If you be honest. TV show, your favorite TV show is 15 minutes. It's only 30 minutes because it had these commercials in it. You know what I mean? It, it's quick. Everything is quick. So, so everybody went and sat through that Avengers movie, knowing that it was long. But, but if we talk about details of the Avengers movie, none of their action cuts last longer than 30 seconds. So it's something that's always gravitating and grabbing them. And also, I don't think that our generation is a... I think that... These are people who are very concerned with being spiritual. Very concerned. I feel like we are spiritual beings. Like we can't be outside of wanting to be spiritual. But I think that Jesus is an option now. And I feel like there's other channels that people will want to go and explore. So, like, I mean, the whole um, spiritist movement about going on with crystals and... Mm-hmm. and Chakra chakra and like law of attracting buddhism all these different things people think that they can equate everything and they'll be okay in whatever god site there is they but yeah they like they just cover but in all actuality is they're seeking for something spiritual some a spiritual significance and they i don't feel i feel like they try to equate with how they see their parents at church, their family at church, and how they see them at home, and be like, look, this can't possibly be a change. You know what I mean? So I think it's alarming to see black hypocrisy. People, hypocrisy for one, because mm-hmm. uh, going to an HBCU and seeing that if black people that didn't know Jesus was fairly odd to me too. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like these people are searching the wrong way about getting spiritual things because they don't know what they're delving into. Right. I mean, sometimes the devil try to speak, kind of speaks faster than how God acts. Yes. So, but even even that's not new, right? You go, you read through Acts, and you see that the um, the early church had this same. You know, that was idolatry and unknown God worship and the whole nine. So like all of these different paths, that's not necessarily new. 
So where I get lost is how is it that our culture found its way to gravitate toward Jesus? <coughs> and then now we have gone back to, you understand what I'm saying? Like, like I get what you're yeah. saying about all these other ways. Yeah, but, but like if we're it. talking, and it's so hard to talk about this because talking to white Christians, talking to black Christians, it's totally two different things. White mm-hmm. Christians, their belief is built off of just tradition alone and they don't understand how their tradition is poisonous to other minority uh, uh, other minority groups black people the only reason how we got so closely acquainted uh, besides the fact i mean okay of course the gospel hit ethiopia before it hit eastern culture it was through slavery you know what i mean they uh their struggle and like god broke the cosmos of what those africans were already experiencing but once black people, we struggle. Black people struggle. We do. Mm-hmm. But the magnitude of the struggle was different. Black people came in the 60s and late 70s, early 70s because they had nowhere else to go but church. God, you're going to have to help us find a way out of this. Mm-hmm. Now we have a, some sort of freedom in thinking and somewhat in our actions of what, and the liberty that we do have to do things because I feel like white people kind of let up on those things but I mean still underlying racism but we don't necessarily need God as much as we did so I hear you and I, you absolutely dead on in my mind I'm like though but how trifling is it for me to need you while I need you and then whatever, whenever you do whatever you did for me then I don't need you no more. Like, how can we even be okay with that train of thought? They don't see it that way. Um, And coming from a household where you have everyone, there's multiple children, everyone learned about God in their own respective way, but when you became adult, you view God and your relationship with God. If you never really established a relationship, you live off of reality. You Or you live in the, the mind of reality, like... I know if I go to work, I can pay my bills because I go to work to pay my bills. That's one viewpoint. Another viewpoint is I know if I'm working a job that doesn't sustain the bills that I have, I believe and I trust that if I tithe, that God will make up. Now, these two individuals came out of the same household, but their mm-hmm. their um, thought process is very different. It's not to say, like he said, they're, they're searching for something, but they live in reality. Like, well, no, I, I don't need to trust God to pay my bills. I just need to go to work. I don't need to trust God to that. I don't need to believe that God can restore my marriage or restore my relationship with my dad. I just need to love my wife and like, she going to be good. I just need to make sure she happy. She going to be good. So they don't equate it to like, Mm -hmm. it is the Holy Spirit that guides and governs our life. They look at it as reality is if I do right, if I do this, I'm going to be fine. But Mm -hmm. until they actually get to a place where they're they're doing and they're you know manipulating of a situation just won't work and until they get there they're gonna always kind of just live off of their own realities or their Mm -hmm. own like if you're more of a realist versus Mm -hmm. a spiritual anybody else on on why millennials are drifting away i'm hearing um hypocrisy i'm hearing uh being at a place of advancement where now there's not so much dependency or struggle. Um, I'm hearing attention span. So low key, I heard in there that church is too long and we need something. Okay. 
um, of course, going to church traditionally and you're being fed the word or spoke the word, of course, if you're not understanding or if you're not reading it, it's going to go over your head. It's like, well, what am I here for? I don't understand it. So now you're coming in wanting to get something fed to you, but you leave with the same mind frame of not knowing what to do. Or, or maybe leave more confused. Confused. Let me ask you a real question. Do I preach over your head? Do I preach over your head? No. No. Um, do you think I preach over some people's head? No, because you connect to all age groups and all generations. So then how how do we get a person to say, well, let's just at least listen to this guy and see if you'll understand him. How do we get people to move past the fear that I won't understand this, I won't connect to it, to just give it a try? I guess testimonies. Mm-hmm. And we have a duty to make it relatable too. So, Grant, you may preach about... You know, you can preach it through Acts, or you may, may preach about through David, about David, and somebody else who doesn't come to church consistently or doesn't understand, like they don't get how this character can Is be them. me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then um, Josh was telling me how he was speaking to his coworker. She didn't understand the story of David, mm-hmm. and he made it very simple to her. Like David was a leader, and he was um, a very great leader, and mm-hmm. he helped her correlate her leadership to David in mm-hmm. the Bible. And, like, she literally lost her mind. And her mind, her father was a preacher. Mm-hmm. Her father's a preacher. And she still was, like, lost about the David factor. Mm-hmm. So you may not catch it on Sunday, right. but it's still simple and it's, you know, easy to digest. But if I can help you understand it, just the simplest of things, mm-hmm. I think that's where we have a duty, too. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't stop with you. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's why mm-hmm. I drifted off because mm-hmm. I wasn't being connected or understood yeah. what was happening mm. but a lot of people just don't know bible stories so like if somebody so somebody were to come to you and ask you like how do i equate to jonah and you don't know what jonah did besides yes, he got swallowed by well. a, <laughs> a whale yeah. like how are you going to equate that i feel that like the famous saying, people who lack knowledge are ultimately headed towards destruction. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like we have people who lack knowledge of who we are and who God says we are. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once if we did know those things, we would actually be more attentive about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How we need each other. We can't exist without being here with each other. I mean, of course, we use an analogy like a head can't function without, I mean, body can't function without his head or an arm. I mean, a, a hand can't uh, function without the forearm. Like, we all have to stay connected, not just for us to function as a body, but for you to be able to function. Like, yes. what if your mentals is not right? I done went through X, Y, and Z. I'm, you got a very Yeah, you know what I mean? And I feel like, I, uh, to me, sometimes when I look about how, how old church has done stuff like testimony services, I know I'm young, but I still remember some testimony services. And I feel like sometimes those things are very powerful, but I also feel like the enemy had his ways in those Mm -hmm. too because when people over-exaggerate these things, these are very powerful things that God speak upon. I believe in prophecy, but I feel like the enemy has these ways of people exploiting these gifts or these moments of sharing testifying. Well, you can't testify. Well, anybody want to hear you testify because you found two pennies on the ground. And you now you roll on the ground. You them two pennies will help were able to help you pay for your groceries. Like 
just say what you know just you know what i mean like you know what i mean so i feel like as much as these powerful things i feel the enemy knew how to water it down so that's if we don't know how to filter those things that go against those things we have a watered down church now so i i get that i get what you're saying on that one of the things that i always question at that point is why do certain things like like what you mentioned deter us from church but they don't deter us from anywhere else right so um people lie in church just that just is what it is but all of us have a friend that ain't even connected to church that lie all the time but that's our friend we know they lying right <laughs> you know what i'm saying or um you know they're they're hypocrites in church they're sinners and i mean blatant wicked people in church but then we have Greek organizations and we, you know, where we get branded and stand in line and do all this stuff with people who we know, you know, are wicked. Right? You see what I'm saying? But why is it that we will endure um, the fallenness of humanity everywhere except for the place where people need to go to be healed and restored? Because people have a misunderstanding about God. They think God is supposed to fix everything and they don't believe that there's a certain degree of suffering. So if if I still got to deal with having this sickness or dealing with this, this, God, you're supposed to make all this stuff better. Mm-hmm. God is the ultimate genie that's supposed to make everything better. If God don't make anything better, that's the biggest misconception. You know what I mean? So if I can suffer with somebody online, but I can see this nigga right here in front of me. We're doing it together. <laughs> I mean, I have something tangible. Mm-hmm. So God is not so... They don't have this ten, enough tangible aspects to people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but at the same point, for the most part, God will do those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not a genie, but he, he does answer prayer. He does blah, blah, blah. blah. He do, does all these things. However, it is in connection to our obedience to him. Right. And we so this is a society that wants to live, however, and do whatever. And God is supposed to. You see what I'm saying? So God will. But we got to do our part. We got to line up. Right. God wants to bless financially, but you also pose a tithe and then I'll do this. Or, you know, he, he wants to heal our bodies. But sometimes our sickness is to get us to pray. And if we, you see what I'm saying? So how do we convey that message, though, that people who are, are upset at God because life hasn't gone their way? How do we convey effectively that maybe life is not going your way because of how you're doing God? Because they don't believe that God is supposed to do that in spite of however they are. <laughs> they don't. That's they not do. what they've been taught. That's what not when they're going to church. That's not what they're being given. Um, okay. Some ministries may take that route, and people look at that as, "Oh, you just judging me? Are you telling me how wrong I am?" Like mm-hmm. they give them half of it, but not the full thing. The full. Um, and then other ministries is like, life is amazing. Like, you just have to mm-hmm. love God and he's just going to do it all. Well, there are other things that you have to do, too, that they just, just mm-hmm. choose not to speak on because they want people to. It's divisive. Like, like it they, is divisive. Right. And so for you, because you preach the whole Bible, we understand we can have all that we, we, we wish or we pray for and expect. But we also have to do, do our these part. things, too. Mm-hmm. So it's never one or the other. Well, most people have experienced one right. or the other, and they're like, I don't want that God because 
I can't be on my knees. I can't pray without ceasing. I got to go to work. I got to go do these things. <laughs> like, I can't just be frolicking through the blue bonnets and money's going to fall. Like, you know, that's just, mm-hmm. they've all experienced, like, too much of one. And it's like, nah. Yeah, and we were actually talking about this a little bit earlier. Like, the dedication thing. Like, we don't know how to be dedicated to something to the point where we are looking for God just for God besides God looking for God for the check. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, we think God is not smart enough when we pray to be like, God, I'm only down here because I need to pay this bill on a <laughs> Saturday. Like, I feel that like God knows what we're doing. So, like, I feel like the heart of things and the heart of people is so off. And I feel like we're forever going to be off. I feel like God's going to... But we don't... Under, there's a misunderstanding about what this relationship with God is supposed to be mm-hmm. and how society has made it to be. Because even in the Anglo church, like it's just how they speak about certain things. It's just it's not how it is. You know what I mean? Even like when it comes to like... Um, it's just been a lot of things throughout history that shaped our word in Eastern culture that's just not, just not how it's supposed to be. But it's mm. convenient for them, yeah. right? Basically, you talk about like divisive. I want to like frame this comment as a question, mm-hmm. um, or even like a small testimony. And I wonder if it's done something to people subconsciously. So uh, I'm a teacher, and at the end of the year, we had like a breakfast or whatever, and. Uh, our principal went up and she was like, I'm about to pray. Does anybody have like any objections? And literally like half the teachers were like, no, like, no, don't do it. No. Mm -hmm. And I think about like when I was in elementary school, like we had like prayer. Mm -hmm. And I think about like growing up, God was just more, it was accepted. Like if you, you know, little league football, we pray, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, whatever other community events, like, we're going to pray. But now it feels like we're really, like, shifting away from that even, like, outside of the church, before you even get to church. It's like, no, I don't pray here either. Like, don't do not do that. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder, do you think that's done any anything to people, like, subconsciously when even, like, in school, which is where we spent, what, like, 84% yeah. of our time? Mm-hmm. Where we couldn't, it was like, nah, don't pray here, don't. I feel like the absence of religion in the marketplace has absolutely made people think that it is not necessary. Mm. However, to me, the question is, is our world better or worse than it used to be? And some people, I think, would say better. But that's the part that scares me, right? When you look at the news and the stuff that's commonplace, our world is worse. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's an easy equation. You take God out, the world gets worse, the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You take God out of school, public shootings happen in the school, right? Right? Yeah. So it's beyond me how people miss that. Mm-hmm. I understand your question. It's a good question, and I believe the answer is absolutely. You start to take that away, and suddenly you, you plan in the, in the minds of people that this is not necessary. Um, but then why can't we just see simply like, you take God out, everything gets really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think ultimately as a big picture, and this, and I, I hate to speak apocalyptically 
uh, or like the end of the days is coming, right? I probably said five. You said, you said like you had a nail laid in your mouth. <laughs> but like when I hear conversations about separation of church and state, those things like really are alarming to me because for one, like, I mean, we were watching the candidate debate and majority of the conversation for about at least 30 minutes was about how they're going to church separate church and government. And to me, it's like you can't knock out the ultimate government, <laughs> the person who knows how to govern mm-hmm. over that, because for one, I feel like... That mean we can't read 2 Corinthians no more? No. Church jokes. That was a political joke. <laughs> that wasn't a church joke. That was a political joke. <laughs> 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 I know my hair long, but that would. Yeah. <laughs> For real, you don't remember the president saying something about two Corinthians at the, when he was campaigning? Uh, or or you thought there was a such thing as two Corinthians? I think I spaced out. <laughs> <laughs> no. So oh, anyway, that was a joke as well. <laughs> I cannot. Remember. But we know that you're an awkward person, so we're going to oust you from our fellowship. Just the type. <laughs> but you're used to it. It's all right. I'm not sweaty. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we sorry, Nick. That computer's about to die. So, put yeah. on the so, um, so this thing is like, I feel like these are we're coming to the times where it's about to. I feel like we're gonna. It's gonna ultimately get worse, to the point where, like, I believe anti. I, I'm not sure if Antichrist is an actual person or just a spirit overall, because we could be experienced Antichrist things right now so like when i see things like that i don't know why america's equated to god so much but like when america goes to crap all other countries go to crap you know what i mean so like when they talk about rumors of wars and this is that and the other we could very well be blind to the fact that we actually are living in that time you know what i mean and i'm not saying like it could be all over next year but no man knows the time but we have to uh like jesus said he said you can see how the storms come in the different changes of skies but you'll be a fool if you don't understand that the 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 sign of the times Mm -hmm. and then we just in that time right now you know what i mean to the point where you see kids fighting their mamas on facebook Mm -hmm. you see it's just it's thrown off right now to the point where it's like you're kind of hopeless about like Ain't no reason to do anything yes. else. You know what I mean? The damage is done. <laughs> you know? So then, with that being said, last question, because Kiana's asleep. Look. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I can't it's, listen. It's past your bedtime. We're going to get you in the bed. It, it is. <laughs> so with that being said, it's kind of like, in my mind, this mad dash to get as many souls from hell as possible. If if time is winding up, and not only that, our lives, our lives are a vapor, right? We don't know how long people have. Um, how do we fix it? Is it even possible? Is it because one of the things that I'm hearing, which is kind of disheartening, but I believe it's true, is that this generation is just selfish, and Christianity is a faith of self sacrifice. And so, how you get self people to sign up to self sacrifice, you know, maybe that's impossible, but um. I'm committed to trying to figure it out. So 
what do we do? Like, what what are millennials looking for? What what do they want from if if there was a way to get them back engaged in the faith? I think that life would treat treat people the way they how they're going to be treated. So I think the biggest thing is just to still be truthful. I was watching an interview about um, the girl who, one of the girls from the U.S. soccer team who, uh, who's who's gay, but she was ultimately having like a conversation about church. It's just like, we would rather the church just be truthful, come out, <laughs> she said, come out about their truth. Mm-hmm. So these people who are gay know where these people stand. It's just like, the church has been in the closet. You know what I mean? So I feel like just being truthful to the point where we are like unashamed because I believe it's going to be a time where some people do wake up and they're like, look, we was wrong. And Mm -hmm. the only thing that's going to last is the truth. So even if we do take diminishing numbers, I don't feel like that's anything to do with the church. I feel that that has everything to do with the heart of man. And there's nothing that could change the heart of man, which might be very disheartening. Some churches might lose a whole lot of people or a lot of churches might pick up a whole lot of other people because of itching ears. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we need to stop with trying to follow the fads and all that other stuff, because I feel like that's what we got here ultimately, because people chasing all these different things to catch people. And ultimately, that looks like clout chasing. Mm -hmm. Anything else? What What is this generation wanting um, or needing from the church? It's almost like they want to feel accepted. Um, now, of course, they want to feel accepted in their wrong or in their condition, in which we should embrace and love where they are and then love them to where they should be. But it's, it feels like they want to feel accepted by the church. Um and because tradition, tradition just kind of like is the backbone a lot of, of a lot of ministries, it's hard for them to feel accepted because it always kind of skirts back to, yeah, but you shouldn't. Yeah, but you shouldn't. So it always kind of has that undertone of tradition that kind of just pushes people away. So they automatically say, oh, well, they don't accept me. They don't accept me. It's, well, is that tradition or is that truth? Like, like um, I feel it's a, it could be a little bit of both. It is always rooted in the intention of the heart. So if I am genuinely concerned that you have this hair or I'm concerned about your soul, like, am I going to attack him and tell him, you might want to, you know, when you cut come to the church, you may want to cut that down. What does but, that have to do with anything? But yeah. so, so the weird part about that is his hair is more biblical than mine. Yes. Right. So once we start getting into that type of thing, then that's tradition. That is tradition. True. Versus but sometimes people have the tendency to dwell on the wrong thing. And so it's still rooted in tradition. Like you're more concerned About with your hair, not, you know, like mm-hmm. when you don't have his hair, you know, stop cutting your hair, like, or whatever the case may be. So it's like, it's always the undertone is always like, I just can't be myself or I can't just be loved for who I am. And I feel like AOC does a great job, yeah, not yes. not to plug, shameless plug, but it's the truth. Like, we accept. You can plug AOC on the Free and D Friday podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Unless y'all ever fire me, then I'm taking exactly. all AOC. But I feel like <laughs> I accept. <laughs> I'm going to go back and bleep it out. We accept all. Now, <laughs> some may have issues with other things, but we're not, I don't feel like our tone comes under, comes off like, 
you you can't sit here. You can't worship here unless like we don't you have that. Sit here. Yeah, you know, we don't have that mentality. <laughs> but our generation wants to feel accepted. Shame on. And they're gonna keep jumping around from church to church until they feel, they feel yeah. accepted. And then sadly, that's the re- that's still prevalent today. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's like talking with some of my coworkers. Cause they always talk about they th- they say I live at the church because I see we got rehearsal on Tuesday, Bible study on Wednesday, uh, mind practice on Thursday. Then we got to help the youth on Saturday. Then we got to do two services on Sunday, maybe three, maybe four. We have one right now. We don't. Who knows? So they just think <laughs> that I live at the church, and I was just kind of explaining to them, you know. I enjoy my church. I have, there's a lot to do that I think is very, very fun. And one of my coworkers was saying, well, wow, if I had a church like that near my I house, to, I would come too. Yeah. Near my house. <laughs> well, because they live out south. They live out south. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I get it. Because I invite them all the time. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, all the way in Pflugerville. But it's just, it's just one day a week just to drive an extra 45 minutes. And get your life People changed. Used millennials, to go all the time. you know, we ain't got the gas. Right. So now we got one. <laughs> ALC South. Okay. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> just, just 'cause they won't come. All right. But but I get I get what you're saying yeah. that there's an idea still that church is stale and this mm-hmm. that and the other. Um, I would, yeah. I would say enlightenment, um, mm-hmm. but not like churchy enlightenment. Like what you just did for me with spanking, right? Like you told me that, but it was from like an emotionally intelligent space. Right. Like, <laughs> like, nah, bro. <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's false. Like mm-hmm. it's biblical to spank your children, mm-hmm. right? I didn't know that Bible verse, mm-hmm. but you didn't make me feel like less than. Mm-hmm. You just like I was ignorant to mm-hmm. it, and you just educated me. You feel me? So I think that type of community where you know you enlighten, but. I mean, obviously, like, there's the truth, but like anything else, there's a way to say things. Right. To start. TJ gonna come back 13 years to free that. He gonna come across this podcast <laughs> on YouTube <laughs> 37. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. <laughs> and what's crazy is our generation is really into learning. Mm-hmm. I think so. We're so woke. Mm. Right now, like, that's why a lot of people want to read on their own and not have to go to church and listen to somebody tell them what the Bible's saying. Um, So I just think that it's crazy that we don't try to hear from, like, because, like, we'll we'll go to school, but, like, we won't go to a lecture about Jesus, about God. So so what people are, are getting their knowledge from reading? That's what they say. I thought they were listening to people like the Umar. Who is Umar Johnson? They reading all these books these days. Oh. I mean, I was misled, too, because the great philosopher Aubrey Graham (laughs) said that his uncle was trying to change his energies with stones and crystals. So I was interested. I'm cool. Even um, a friend that I have works in a church in Alabama. He He got a stone crystal, too. So I told Nick, I was like, bro, I'm I'm looking at stones and crystals. And Nick just kind of sat there for like 30 seconds and was like, yeah, that's witchcraft. So (laughs) (laughs) I was like, witchcraft? Drake did it? I can't do it too? I I thought I was good. He can't let Drake be a Jesus. (laughs) He got a lot of album sales. Can we ask you a question? Sure. I don't want to ask you. How do you feel about 
these spiritual practices. You know, people love to do sage. You know, sages, yeah. they burn sage. Mm-hmm. They uh, buy water from Haiti and do water and all this other stuff. I think, I think that there is a such thing as witchcraft and it's very alive. Um, I think that there is, is you open gateways to spirits. I believe in that. Uh, through music, through rituals, the whole night. You give your spirit access to evil spirits. But I also believe a lot of this stuff is placebo. Mm-hmm. Like, I can do all of this stuff to kind of create positive energy, but what's really creating the positive energy is that I think I'm creating positive energy. And if we could ever just get in our in our spirit that... The power is in my mind and me focusing in on God, right? The scripture is full of, you know, guard your mind. Don't let your heart be troubled. Be anxious for nothing. The word gives us all of this advice as to how we should direct our spirit and our thinking because we have that kind of power. Even when it comes to like losing weight and being healthy and all that stuff, like the word tells us what to do. But then Satan does what he always does and tries to create these alternative paths to get you away from what is true. And then you're doing it and you you will see some results because it's in your mind. Like your mind is telling you, no, nah, this, this this is really helping me. And it's like, no, it's because you really wanted to be helped finally. Mm-hmm. And so you feel like it's like y'all know what placebos are. Right. Yeah. right. So so to me, that's that's what it that's what it is. Um that whole, I, I don't know much about it, but I, I know that, um, what's the people that, that believe whatever you, uh, the law of attraction people, what what are those? Law of attraction people. No, but it's <laughs> like, like 5%ers, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. anyway, it's a group of people that basically believe whatever you put out in the atmosphere, that's what's going to come back to you, whatever you believe, you draw that to you. Well, yeah. That's true. <laughs> like, but but it's 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 the idea that you can do this apart from God that is what makes it wicked, right? Because Satan uses that to pull you away from the truth. But the truth is, right, uh, I press toward the mark, I forget those things which are behind me. I can do all things to Christ. Like, oh, that's biblical. Mm-hmm. So you just hijacking the truth and trying to attach it to something else. Did I not say that earlier today? Yeah, but did you hear the latter part? Mm. I did. That's what I was saying. I, 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 the latter part is what I said to you. Right. Okay. But I was just saying, this whole, it's like this thread. I'm just glad that y'all are having these conversations. So if y'all are having these conversations, regardless as to who was right, wrong, or different, right. like the he, fact that y'all are having deep conversations about spiritual things, keep it up, but then push it to those who are outside of this circle. Like, I'm at the point where I just really feel like something has to be done. I, I'm I'm just too competitive to lose like this mm-hmm. to the to the devil. I'm, I'm just not. I'm I'm not gonna go down without a fight. And I I want to the best of my ability to infuse in y'all the same level of fight because what you cannot be is well. I'm saved. I know the truth. I'm gonna be here, and that's good enough. Because our whole faith is about how are we impacting others. And so I need y'all to help me with this conversation with outsiders. Uh, And it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard because, like I said, you're calling people who are selfish to self-sacrifice. I get that. But 
I believe that that a movement has to take place, some type of revival. And it's going to have to happen with people who have the the brilliance and the creativity to make it fly, but then the foundation of truth so that you you know what's God and what's not, and so on and so forth. I don't want to cut this conversation uh, short, but like I said, this is the beginning. And people are only going to listen to 30 seconds. <laughs> but, anyway, but anyway, I do need y'all to, you know, push this to your friends. Just let them listen in on the conversation uh, tomorrow when the podcast comes out. And then y'all help me dream of how we can, like, broaden this conversation. Um, not just to be talking, but for fruit. Like, right, if you got friends that you love, you want to see them save. Because here's the, here's the, the, the ending piece. While I was riding over here from church, I was thinking to myself, well, why does it even matter, right? If, I, if I'm kind to people and they're, they try to be kind, they're good people, why do I have to get them to church? Like, why does it? Maybe I need to quit that, you know? Maybe I need to just love these little people that show up, you know what I'm saying? And, and put out content in the world that whenever they stumble on my page or whatever, they can be spiritually in like, Why do I have to try to engraft them into the church? And the spirit said, because when I come back, I'm coming for the church. church. And the saddest reality would be for us to have friends and family members who we love and are, quote unquote, good people. And they miss the boat. They get left behind because they are not a part of the church. And somebody will say, well, that makes God mean. And I don't think God is mean like that. God has given us so much opportunity to receive him and to receive salvation. And so he's not mean if we choose not to get on the boat and drown. Right. Um, so so that's that's what's at stake for me. Like, I don't want the Lord to return and people that I really love. But I just didn't. I was afraid to have hard conversations and I didn't want me speaking the truth to drive a wedge in our relationship to allow them to spend eternity in hell. Right. So that there's this passage and Luke, where a man dies and he goes into um, the hell waiting place. And uh, another man dies and goes to Abraham's bosom. And there's a request for the man who's in Hades. Well, can he just dip his finger in some water and bring it to me? I, there's this idea that we had this connection, even though that connection wasn't close on earth, right? According to the parable of the story, it was you know, ships passing in the night, but they knew each other. Right. And this idea that I'm in a torment and I want you to help me. Man. And at that point, it's too late. There's nothing. There's nothing that can be done. Right. So I can only imagine what it would be like for me to have a friend that I've known for 30 years. And if there's any type of communication or awareness at all in the afterlife to know, because I didn't want to have an uncomfortable conversation my friend of 30 years is burning in hell forever. Like, that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of whack. Yeah. And, and so at the end of the day, that's what's at stake. We got friends who are cool and we love them and so on and so forth. And they may not come to church, but at the end of the day, Christ is coming back for the church. And I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about membership. I'm talking about those who are engrafted into Christ as Savior. That's the only people he's coming back for. And so we got to get as many people on that boat as possible. 
anyway, it's Pastor Free. This has been another Free Indeed Friday podcast. I hope the conversation has been uh, helpful, beneficial, thought-provoking, challenging the whole nine. That's what these fellowship editions is all about. This was Jeff, Sierra, Kiana, Brittany, Nick. You say I'm so what? Old. Oh. Oh. Wow. I do have gray in my beard this evening. That's all right. They used to say it's wisdom, but I met a whole bunch of fools with gray hair. I was like, anyway, it's Pastor Free. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. I holler. Listen, friends, if you've been blessed by this podcast, you need to make your way over to our website, www.freetheletterindeedministries.com. On our site, you can find everything from movies to live recordings and studio records. Uh, Also, my first book, God. God wants me. You can follow us on all social media outlets. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Our handle is at free, the letter N, D-M-I-N. Please believe we got some amazing things in store and you don't want to miss one moment of it. So go ahead and follow us. Like do it like right now. Like go check it out. Like, like, like right now, right now. Father, I need you now. Thy will be done. Thy will.